Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 podcast. Folks, what a national championship game performance for the University of Georgia. Um, If you listen to this podcast, you know I was fairly confident that Georgia would win. And I want to clarify something. If there are some people who just saw, like, on social media, my... Score prediction. I predicted Georgia 38-28 and didn't listen to last week's podcast. I hope you're listening now. Because what I actually predicted was that Georgia would have like a 17-point cushion. uh, And it would be a game that Georgia could confidently win by like 20. But Kirby would deflate the ball. Um, And and because of that, uh, it would be similar to, uh, a little different, but similar to the LSU-Georgia SEC championship game. Where... Georgia ended up winning by 20 and giving up 30 points. Um, but it really, even even 20, didn't really reflect how lopsided that game felt. There was never a point in that game when Georgia felt out of control. And I felt like this would be similar to that, where it was just, hey, you know what? If you want to, you know, we're up, in my hypothetical, Georgia's up 38-21. There's five minutes to go. Uh TCU scores to make it 38-28, and then Georgia just runs the clock out because they're in control. That's the kind of game I thought. And a 10-point win, even though it doesn't cover the spread, a 10-point win that had been 17, that's a comfortable win in a national championship game. Um, There have been some really close championship games. Georgia won, what was it, 15 points last year? Um, But... It had been closer than that. Alabama had the ball and was driving in the second half to kind of tie it up, and, and Georgia got the pick six. And um, in the 2020 championship game, I just don't even recall what the score in that game was, if I'm being honest. Uh, 2019, or, or after the 2019 season, was a 15-point game, but LSU had to come back. Uh, 2018 was was very lopsided. Clemson beat the brakes off of Alabama. 2017, of course, Alabama wins in overtime. 2016 and 2015 were one-score games. So, you know, national championship game, to win it by 10 and you've been in control in the second half would have been an impressive win. Uh, Obviously, I did not see. And and anyone who says that they would, anyone who who went, who says they would have gone on record as saying Georgia was going to win the national championship game 65-7, to I think as an actual liar. There are lots of people who will say, oh, I saw that coming, but, but they didn't say it. Why? Because it's ridiculous. Nobody would have predicted that. Before we dig into it, let's just go through the team stats here. Uh, Georgia has 589 total yards of offense um, to TCU's 188. Georgia has 9 of 13 on third down. That's almost 75%. Uh, TCU, 2 of 11. So that's about 18%. Uh, Georgia got a fourth down conversion. TCU, 0 for 2. Um, Georgia had two, picked off two passes, recovered two fu- or recovered a fumble. Georgia had committed no turnovers. Uh, Georgia had 335 passing yards to TCU's 152. Georgia had 254 rushing yards to TCU's 36. And it wasn't that they didn't try. It was 28 attempts, 36 yards. And time of possession, 36 minutes, 59 seconds, almost 
almost 37 minutes to a little over 23 minutes in Georgia's favor there. Some individual stats. Max Duggan, not a great night. 14 of 22, 152 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions. He did have a rushing touchdown, but he also lost 38 yards. 10 carries, negative 38 yards. And Mario DiMarcato, who, folks, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a senior. I, you know, wish him the best, whatever's next for him. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. He reminds me a little bit, uh, his running style reminds me a little bit of Georgia running back um, Kenny McIntosh. The, that same running style where it's like he's he, he's been hit, he's going to go down, and he gets five more yards just stumbling, bumbling, flipping, and, and, and he's just a, such a tough runner. I like watching him run. Um Darius Davis did have five catches for 101 yards. Of course, he set up the, the one TCU score. Uh, Georgia. Stetson Bennett, 18 of 25, 304 passing yards, four touchdowns. He also ran the ball three times for 39 yards and two more touchdowns. Branson Robinson, seven carries, 42 yards, and two touchdowns. The previously mentioned Kenny McIntosh, uh, eight carries for 50 yards. He also caught a pass for negative one yards. Ladd McConkey, five catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns. Brock Bauer, seven catches, 152 yards and a score. He also ran twice for 15 yards. I mean, I, I could just list stats all night. Georgia totaled up five sacks, um, including one for Bear Alexander, and, and Bear's a freshman uh, from Denton, Texas. And that, that second and third unit of the Georgia defense looked impressive. They had no real pr- trouble getting pressure. In fact, Bear, in addition to that sack, he had another tackle for loss. Uh, two tackles, both for loss. He's a monster, man. Bear, I mean, if you, if Georgia needed any other reason to be excited, uh, that 6'3", 305-pound defensive lineman was, he looked good. He looked good. Smile London led the, the, the dogs. A little bit of everybody had a tackle. If you were in the stadium on, on Monday night, wearing a Georgia jersey, they might have put you in on defense. They had about 400 people record a tackle. Uh, led by Schmile Munden with, I don't know if you say it, Schmile, you probably don't. That's how I like saying it. Five tackles, uh, including four solo. He did have half a tackle for loss. Uh, their interceptions were both Javon Bullard. Uh, Javon had a heck of a night, also had a tackle. Um, so just a dominant performance from Georgia. Did they punt? I think they punted once. Punted the one time. <laughs> uh, Jack Pileski did make a... Uh, Field goal for from 24 yards out. Missed an extra point, so you know you hate to see that. Um, but Georgia just just absolutely dominated the game. There was just a brief moment, just a brief moment when it looked like this might be a game. With 4:45 to go in the first quarter, uh, Max Duggan gets that big kind of broken coverage play, ends up running it in. It's 10 to seven TCU. Um, and yeah, it was busted coverage, and and it just kind of a, a fluke play over the course of the game. But at that moment, it's like, oh well, this is the thing. Georgia's Georgia's had some trouble in the in the secondary. They've had some trouble, you know, letting guys get loose, and and that's how it's going to be. But it was not <laughs> the rest of the night. I mean, that play. Let's let's look at it. What what was that play? What was the um, yardage on that? Yeah, 60 yards on that one pass, and TCU managed 188 yards all night. So almost about 30% of their yardage 
was on that one play. Just an absolute smacking. Um, and let me tell you, I, I'm. It felt over when Georgia made it twenty-four to seven when Stetson ran it in because at that point Georgia just was not surrendering. They were just mauling TCU. Georgia's uh, drive chart goes touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 punt, start of the third quarter, touchdown, 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 and then kneel it out. And when Georgia got that touchdown to make it 24-7, to and then they got Bullard's first interception, and goes down to score a touchdown. It's 31 to 7, but you know, maybe, maybe TCU's got the ball. Um, how much time was left in the game? Let's see. Or in the half, rather. It was 31 to 7, but there's 119 left. Maybe TCU can get, you know, they've got a quick strike offense. Duggan's a magician. Maybe they can get some points and, and go into the half, you know, with a little momentum. And he throws an interception. And that's when it was over, over. Because Georgia has not failed to score yet, and Lad Mc- and, and uh, excuse me, Stetson Bennett's got the ball on the TCU. I want to say it was like the forty. Uh, where was that? Where was the ball on that? Um, that second, th- those interceptions were within a couple minutes of each other. Yeah, it, it was on the twenty-two, and within two plays, Stetson Bennett's hitting Ad Mitchell for a touchdown. Um, and that's, folks, it was over. It, it, it felt over before then, but when TCU couldn't even get the ball, when, when TCU gets the ball after a kickoff with 119 to go in the half, you're thinking, okay, you know, go, go try to put some points on the board because you're down 24. But worst case scenario, you just take it into the half, ride off into the sunset, and, and be done with it. And no. And if they had been able to do that, you know, let's say they go kick a field goal and it's 31 to 10. And then they get a punt. Well, you're down three scores, but you got momentum. Instead, there was no chance for momentum. You're down 31 to a team you hadn't stopped. Doesn't matter that you got that punt to start the second half. The ball game was over. When I had kind of thought, because, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, I'm a, I'm a sicko. All right, there's the sickos committee on Twitter. I'm a sicko. I'm the kind of person when I make a prediction like 38 to 28, even when it's 31 to 7, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, well, the math is still there. It's still right there. TCU, maybe they score here. Um, Maybe they go score a touchdown. It's 31 to 14 at the half. Then I just need uh, Georgia to just play conservative in the second half, let TCU win the second half 14 to 7. Georgia still wins 38 28. I look like a genius. It's still right there. And when Bullard came down with that interception on the CCU 22-yard line, I said, nope. <laughs> that's that's out the window, folks. Uh, Georgia's about to score again. It's just a matter of whether it's three or seven. And it, and it was seven. Um, and if they, and when they scored there, I said, oh, this is – I told a friend. I told uh, Justin Baxley, uh, a little cross-promotion here, about my co-host on the third – or on the – excuse me, on the Blindside Rewind. It's a Survivor podcast if you're into Survivor. Again, that's the Blindside Rewind. I told him I was like Georgia's gonna hang like fifty, and he said, "No, I don't. I don't know if I don't know if." Uh... Actually, it was after the thirty-one. It was the touchdown to go up thirty-one, and uh, I said, "Georgia's about to score fifty, man." <laughs> he said, "No, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't know that uh, Kirby will do that to Sonny Dykes. You know, they've they've got a relationship." And I said, "Listen, 
they just went down the field on run to Bowers, run for Milton, run for Milton, uh, little short pass from Stetson, run by McIntosh, run by Edwards, uh, little sh- uh, an attempted pass that was incomplete. They did throw the ball to Bowers on third down, but it was third and 15. Then run for Edwards, run for Milton, run for Milton. They just went conservative, just running off clock, and and melted the field against TCU. He is already calling off the dogs, so to speak, and TCU can't stop him. He's not going to have any choice but to score 50. And boy, was that right. It was 65. So just total annihilation. Stetson Bennett. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Stetson. Um, here, I don't know what the future holds for Stetson, but I want to say, I I don't know that I've outright said this. Um, I certainly haven't doubled down on it, but I've outright, I don't know if I've outright said, I was so wrong about Stetson. I think, because what I said was, that they had other, this was last year, you know, late December when we had Jamie on for last year's national championship game, and I said, Georgia's got to switch off of Stetson Bennett. They can't win a title. I stand by the fact that I had every reason to say that then. Uh, they got into a showdown with, and this was always the, the thing, right, that when they get in a showdown with an elite offense, Michigan wasn't that last year. When you get when they got in a showdown with an elite offense, with a, a, a quarterback that could put points on the board, he was going to lose, and that's what happened in the SEC championship game um, in the 2021 season. They got into a, a shooting match with Alabama with Bryce Young, and Bryce Young won a Heisman on him. Just threw the ball all over the field on him, and Stetson couldn't match that. He was fine, but when he had to force throws, when he had to make throws, when they needed him to make plays, he couldn't do it. And that's what I saw anyway. And I said, they can't win a national title, and then he just went out and did it. Um... And then all season this year, he was the guy. The way they played, the way he played in the middle of the season, kept him from winning the Heisman. There'll be Georgia fans, oh, the Heisman ought to wait until after the national championship game. And, and it doesn't, you know. I mean, I, it'd be great for Clemson if they did because Clemson would have at least one more, would have at least a Heisman. Nobody from Clemson's ever won one. And I feel like Deshaun Watson would have won one after the 2016 season if the Heisman waited until after the national championship game. Might have won it in 15, too even though they lost that game. Uh, I don't know that Trevor Lawrence wouldn't have won it in 18 if they had waited till after the national championship game, the way he carved up Alabama that night. Or maybe even uh, Travis Etienne that year. Um, but they don't. They don't. They, they do it when they do it. They've always done it then, and, and Caleb Williams was the right pick. But then what Stetson Bennett did this year against Ohio State and... TCU against teams that had those kind of offenses. Now, Georgia absolutely shut Max Duggan down. But Stetson Bennett against two Heisman hopefuls, two elite guys, one of which C.J. Stroud is going to be playing on Sundays this coming NFL season, or this next NFL season. Stetson was just better. And so... Georgia absolutely could and did win two national championships with Stetson Bennett. Jamie and I touched on, or I touched on this with Jamie last week. You know, how many other teams have missed their window with a guy like a Stetson? Folks, Stetson has a heart as big as my house. 
and he's got more ability than he ever got credit for. He's got a great football brain on the field. Uh, he's developed one. Um, but he's nothing special. Every program has kids that have come up like that at quarterback, at other positions. But the nature of modern college football is, well, we can't win if we don't recruit like Alabama and Georgia. So we got to get this five-star quarterback in here. we got to get this five-star receiver. we got to get this five-star running back. How many programs had a guy at one of those positions like a Stetson Bennett and just overlooked it because he didn't have the stars? Kirby Smart didn't do that. While all people like me and everybody else was was uh, questioning whether he, ever, he could ever win a title because he was sticking with Stetson Bennett, he stuck with him. Once he made that switch last year when JT Daniels got hurt and the team won and the team bonded with Stetson Bennett and rallied around him, he stuck with him and, and he looks like a genius now. And so it looks like I was wrong. It looks like a lot of us were wrong. But what the rest of college football needs to be worried about, what if we weren't? What if Stetson wasn't the best option at quarterback? And they just won anyway because he is a gamer. He is a guy that hears the criticisms and hears you know Tennessee fans giving him heck and, and hears those criticisms and just comes out and just wins. He is that. But what if that offense is even nastier? when they get one of these four and five stars that's been waiting behind him in there as the starter. What if Georgia's even better next year? We don't know. Well, because, you know, um, I'm a Clemson fan, all right? When Clemson's offense looked, when Clemson looked the most unstoppable was the 2018 season when they were littered with five stars on off on defense. And they had the a generational talent at quarterback and a future NFL starter at running back and two or three future NFL starters. Justin Ross, you'll never convince me he wasn't a future NFL starter if not for injury. All across the wide receiving core. They were just absolutely stinking loaded. There has statistically there have only been like five higher rated prospects in college football ever than Trevor Lawrence. That's when Clemson looked their best. Folks, Georgia just looked their best with a, like, three-star walk-on that had to go to junior college and was never the most talented quarterback in the room. And they just won a national title 65-7. to So what the rest of college football needs to be worried about is not, oh, we were wrong about Stetson Bennett. Boy, howdy, we sure were wrong about Stetson Bennett. We need to be worried about, what if we were right? And next year, Brock Vandegrift comes in as the starter, or Carson Beck, whoever. And they don't have those games where, well, Stetson just didn't have it today. It's, wow, Brock Vandegrift had it again. And they just beat Florida 45-3. to And, oh, Brock had it again today. And they beat Missouri 55 to nothing. And they just won the SEC championship game over Alabama, thirty-five to three, and 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 they just bowl everybody over. What? That's what we got to be worried about, folks. Because let me tell you, and if you're listening for the title of the podcast, it's coming. Uh, title of the episode, it's coming up right here. We are in the dog days of college football. Um, 
Georgia has long been a destination recruiting site. Even when they were winning, going seven and five and eight and four, even before Mark Richt, they were always capable of recruiting big talent. And Georgia is a recruiting hotbed. Every other major program in the country comes to Georgia to recruit. Um, and that's always been the case, as even more so now. We've got some of the best high school football in the country. And Georgia is the hottest program in the country sitting right in the middle of it. And when, when, you, when you live in your state, pay attention to the program that has the flags on the front of the houses. And in South Carolina, that's the University of South Carolina. That's where I, I lived for you know, a good bit of my life. And so that's why in that stretch from you know, 2009 to 2013 or so, when, uh, when South Carolina was in their hottest streak they've ever been on, that's why when that state had its hottest recruiting period ever, when you when the the one time when the best recruits in South Carolina were also some of the best recruits in the country, the Jadavian Clownies, the Marcus Lattimore's, the Stephen Gilmore's, that's why South Carolina just got all of them because that's the that's the program that most of the state grows up cheering for. In Georgia, that's Georgia. We've got Georgia Tech, we've got Georgia Southern, and they have their fan bases. They have wonderful fan bases, but when you ride around this state. And you look at whose who's stickers are on the back of cars, whose flags are on the front of houses, it's the University of Georgia. So most of those kids that come up in this state watching football and they become top football players, they're University of Georgia fans. So all it takes is Kirby Smart. And now Georgia's a two-time defending national champion with, I think, probably the best coach in college football, a couple of the best coordinators in college football, some of the best facilities in college football, and they're getting better all the time, it seems like. Kirby just rolls up in a high school to anybody and says, hey, you want to be a Bulldog? And he's got their ear. Georgia, this is uh, my good friend Jamie, who we had on the podcast last week. He's got the View from the, Pou- View from the Couch podcast. Georgia grad, Georgia fan. Um... He says he t- he cautions Georgia fans to pay attention. You're in the good old days, and they are. Because I don't see it getting any worse for Georgia. Because the thing about Georgia is that that it's you know I'll, let's use Clemson as an example. Well, Davos Winnie was never a coordinator. He's never called a game a day in his life. He's got to have great coordinators. If everything goes south for the University of Georgia, and let's say. Todd Munkin leaves for a, a for greener pastures, a head coaching job, an NFL job, whatever. It's not Todd Munkin; it's Jeff Munkin, isn't it? Which Munkin is it at the University of Georgia? Um, we'll we'll find out in a second. And um, it, let's say he leaves, and um, the defensive coordinator things uh, don't go well, and he ends up gone. And um, here we go. Here we go. Here we here we go. Who were the coaching staff at the University of Georgia? Anyway, let's say the, the, the coordinators both leave and Kirby makes and the university make a uh, boneheaded 
decision as to who is going to be their coordinators. Well, they're always going to have a great defense because Kirby Smart's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, oh, it's Schumann and Muschamp. I should have known that. Well, let's say just things go south and all those coordinators leave and they don't make great hires. Georgia's still going to have one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. They're still going to have some of the best offensive talent. And they're still going to win football games. Even if Kirby's the only coach on the team, they're going to win football games because he's a great defensive coordinator. Georgia is in their prime. And they are the kings of college football. All they had to do was get that Alabama monkey off their back. It's off their back now. Now, is Alabama dead? Is Alabama going to go 7-5 and five next year? I don't think so. But, folks, they weren't that far from going 8-4 and four this year. Um, that's, that's just reality. It won't take but a couple of plays for Alabama to have one of those years. And pre-this at Georgia, you could have easily said, well, hey, even if Nick Saban retires, you know, Alabama's still the biggest, baddest dude on the block, and uh, they'll, you know, they'll just keep rolling. They'll keep rolling. That's not the case. If Nick Saban leaves, you know, Nick Saban's going to retire. He's not young. Nick Saban will retire before this streak for Georgia is over. And what happens then? So I'm not saying Georgia's going to go definitely 15-0 next year and three state straight national titles and nobody's going to touch them because the game stuff to be played on the field. Folks, they almost lost to Missouri this year. They were uh, shanked, the worst shanked field goal I've ever seen in my life um, against Ohio State from not making it to the national championship game. And we'd have gotten Ohio State demolishing TCU in the national championship game. And Ohio State would be the national champions. So... Any of that could happen next year. But we are in the prime of Georgia football right now. And everybody else is looking up. Everybody. If you see a too early ranking um, for next season, or if you see preseason rankings in the summer, if any of them have anybody but Georgia at number one, just go ahead and put that publication away. Don't waste your time because they, they don't know what they're talking about. Or they're just trying to be um, sensational. There's no reason to have anybody but Georgia at number one. Um, and really, anybody who votes for anybody but Georgia at number one, I can't take them seriously. That's your number one team next year. They're just that good. They got so much talent coming back. They got so much coaching, uh, so much good coaching. They got such a great recruiting class coming in. That's your number one team. That's who everybody's going to be looking to beat. Because of that, they might not win. They might they might not even win the SEC because everybody's going to be gunning for them. They're going to get everybody's best game. Um, they're going to go to some t- you know some stadium, uh, some South Carolina, Tennessee. Well, yeah, they're going to Tennessee next year. They're going to go to you know one of those teams that's going to go. This is our championship game. We want to event- We want to be the ones that take down Georgia. It might happen, but for now, everybody's looking up at Georgia. So. Take a quick break. When we get back, I'm going to talk about um, kind of the playoffs in general, some talk that we've heard about the playoffs. I'm just going to rant about that. So if you like hearing me rant about other college football fans, hang on after the break, and I'm going to do just that.
So this this segment's probably going to be pretty short. One of the things I've heard is that, see, you know, they shouldn't let little old TCU in. Folks, if you follow the rest of the results, that was a matchup issue. One thing I told you last week was that, and, and throughout the week and throughout the, follow me on social media, at JTIMM684 on Twitter. Um, if you follow me on, on, on Twitter and if you listen to the podcast last week, Everything that I said would happen, happened. It was just magnified. I said that Georgia's offense was just going to be too versatile, too many weapons for TCU to deal with. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Let's look at the POC score. Georgia had um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different guys run the ball. And one, two... Three, four, five, six of them are in their starting group. The, you, know, you got Savon Clark and Branson Robinson that aren't in your in the main core, but the f- six of them, McIntosh, Bennett, Milton, Edwards, Bowers, and McConkey, they're all like in the in the first group, in the starters, and the that first wave, um, the, the first rotation, receiving one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different receivers kept passes for Georgia. Only one, Dylan Bell, is a guy that's not in that starting that main rotation. You got Bowers, McConkey, Darnell Washington, who did play one catch, twenty-eight yards. Uh, Ad Mitchell, Kyrus Jackson, Dejon Edwards, Arian Smith, Kenny McIntosh. These are all guys who who are in the main rotation. It was just that I thought TCU had the playmakers to slow them down a little bit, or, or maybe get a pick off of Stetson or something. They couldn't do it. Um. So that was one thing. The other thing was I said that um, on the on the other side of the ball that Georgia would would make Duggan look human because they would keep him from getting out of the pocket. And buddy, they did it. But what I didn't realize is that when Georgia made uh, trapped Duggan in the pocket, he couldn't do anything. He wasn't just limited; he was completely incapable of accomplishing anything when locked in the pocket. Uh, you take out that 60 yards, he had 92 yards. 13 completions for 92 yards other than that one pass. He was 13 to 21 for 92 yards other than that one busted coverage. Georgia shut him down. And he ran the ball 10 times for 38 yards. Now, some of are negative 38 yards. Some of that was sacks, but... Some of those sacks were him trying to run, and he couldn't even get back to the line of scrimmage, which has not been his thing. So it's matchups. But if you take that game out, all right, Michigan beat Ohio State soundly. And when TCU and Michigan played each other, TCU won, and it wasn't fluky. TCU looked like the better team. The right four teams got in, and while, you know, if if – you could say that Ohio State as the four or shouldn't have been the four because they were so close to Georgia. Well, TCU, the three seed, beat the two seed. So I kind of feel like the seeding was fine. It was just matchups. Ohio State with that elite passing offense, C.J. Stroud, he'll run if you make him, but he doesn't want to run. He wants to pass. C.J. Stroud is an elite passer. I think he's the best passer coming out this year. And he's got some of the best receivers that, you know, this is going to be a team that we look back and go, dang, C.J. Stroud had a bunch of weapons. 
um, in a couple of years. And that was just a matchup that favored that favored Ohio State keeping that closer than, than everybody else did. It's matchups. It's all matchups. Right before we're in, I think the seeding was fine. It's just that, that in the end, we got the matchup that was the worst possible matchup for a competitive football game, but it showcased who the best team in the country was. It was Georgia all year. Even when they had a little bit of a slip-up and Alabama sat at number one for a couple of weeks and then Tennessee was number one when the first playoff rankings came out, that was cute, but Georgia was always the best team in the country, and then they just showed it. And then you had people saying, well, they should have just let Alabama in. Well, no, they shouldn't have. Because the two teams that Alabama lost to, LSU and Tennessee, they couldn't compete with Georgia either. So if Alabama is... You know, they only lost by a couple of points to Tennessee and LSU. Well, congratulations. LSU lost to Texas A&M. And Tennessee lost to South Carolina. So being, hey, they almost beat two teams that Georgia also beat. Yeah, Georgia beat Tennessee by 14. It could have been 114. Georgia was in complete control of that game. Georgia beat LSU by 20, by 20. And everybody was, was worried about Georgia. Because they only beat LSU by 20 in the SEC championship game. And I'm supposed to think Alabama should be in the playoffs because they almost beat LSU in Tennessee? No. They also almost lost to Texas, the third place team in the Big 12. TCU beat Texas worse than Alabama did. And Alabama got to play Texas when Quinn Ewers was out for three quarters. They played an injured Hudson card and only beat Texas by a point. I don't care what anybody says about Alabama. That wasn't a playoff team. All right? They just weren't. Hate it for you. Bye. They got the four right teams. It just happens to be that Georgia was significantly better than everyone, and they're the worst matchup for competitive, for competition's sake, the worst matchup was TCU, and that's what we saw. Everything was fine. The committee did it right. We just got to see the best team in the country be the best team in the country. It was kind of fun. I mean, I stopped. I, I, I left it on, but I stopped really paying attention at halftime. I pulled out my Nintendo Switch and started playing a little Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. But <laughs> I, I kept it on. It was impressive. It was fun. It's fun. I mean, I, I can't. I'm not going to be like these people were when Clemson won their national championship games and gripe and complain about who didn't get in and who didn't deserve it. Who cares? Georgia's the best team in the country, and they won. And I enjoyed, even though it wasn't my team, and even though it wasn't you know a competitive football game, I will remember that I got to sit down and watch Georgia do that. That when we talk about the greatest college football teams of all time, I will be able to say, yeah, that 2022 Georgia team, do y'all remember what they did to TCU in the national title game? Don't remember that? That was nasty. That was a historic. We got, we just, we can't enjoy historic anymore because we always have to have a hot take about, oh, they should have let so-and-so win because of this. No. Georgia's the best team and they put on a great performance. Let's not taint that by being stupid. Um, No, there shouldn't have been more SEC teams in the playoffs. No. They shouldn't have been. They didn't deserve it. They like five of them had a chance, and none of them got. None of them took it. LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, all three of them, plus some others, 
could have gotten in the playoffs, Ole Miss, and just couldn't handle the pressure. They couldn't win the games they had to win to stay in the mix. Bye. You don't get to be in it. Um, and then you got people, you know, I saw some folks complaining when they looked at the bracket because, uh, you know, Clemson and Utah would have been the three and four seed in the the proposed plan that will be coming up in 2024 because those four buys go to four conference champions. But, folks, you can't have it both ways. Some of these same people want to complain about, well, if we expand the playoffs, it's going to make the regular season, it's going to make the regular season not matter so much. Or, uh, like, you know, it's going to make the conference championship games not matter so much. You know, think about it. You know, Georgia and Alabama, you know, Georgia and LSU were playing this year. Both of them would have made the playoffs. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's true. Um, let's look at those rankings. I, I think that's, I think that's true. Um, where is that at? Week 15. Yeah. LSU, no. LSU wouldn't have got in. Um, but, it wouldn't matter for Georgia. Georgia would have been in regardless. But what those, what the specifically the twelve team bracket, and Jamie has outlined this. We've talked about it here. What that twelve team bracket does that an eighteen bracket wouldn't is it specifically makes the regular season and the conference championship games matter. Because yes, Ohio State still gets in, even though they didn't make the the big the big the Big Ten title game. But they, they have to play an extra game. They don't get straight to the quarterfinals. Michigan gets to go straight to the quarterfinals. Um, yes, Georgia would have still been in the bracket if they had lost to LSU, but LSU probably gets a bye if they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Maybe not because they had taken that loss to Texas A&M. Maybe it still would have been, uh, maybe it would have been Michigan, uh, Clemson, Utah, and Kansas State. Um, if LSU had beaten Georgia in, in this hypothetical. But either way, Georgia goes from being the number one seed and having a bye to having to play in the first round. Yeah, they get a home game, and that's something they'll have to tweak. But the point is, in order to make, in order to expand the playoffs and make it fair to everybody, we have to get out of the mindset as college football fans that the point of the playoff is to pick the four best teams by some formula or committee. That's dumb. It was always a fool's errand. The point of the championship is to crown a champion. The point for me of a championship is to give everyone at the start of the season a chance to win a championship, and that's what a twelve-team bracket does. It gives you that because you've got those. Um, Modified auto bids. And then because it's 12 teams, you've got the first round by. The first four seeds can only go to conference champions. You have to be good all year because you have to be one of the four best conference champions. And then you have to win your conference. For most conferences, that means you have to win a conference. I think they're all, they all have a championship game. You have to win your conference championship game. TCU, great season. Got in the playoffs. Wouldn't have been one of the top four seeds. Okay? They got in. They played for the national championship game. They earned their way to the national championship game. They wouldn't have been one of the top four seeds. They would have been hosting a first-round game, while Kansas State probably would have been a top four seed. Or, or would have been... Um, they wouldn't have been a top four seed. They, they would have been on equal footing with Kansas State. Instead of TCU getting in the playoffs and Kansas State 
sitting home, Kansas State gets something for beating TCU. And that's the other thing is that, you know, so many times we're watching those those conference championship games and, you know, Kansas State beating TCU is great, but if you're if you're like me and you you're a fan of the playoffs and you want to see a team like TCU get in the playoffs and, and you want to see the playoffs treated with respect and you want to see that championship really matter, it kind of kind of stings a little bit. It's kind of like, oh, well, now we got two teams that didn't win their conference in the in the playoffs. I don't really want that. Well, with this modified auto bid, you know, winning those championship games matters. Um, Clemson, even after what, and, and most people don't like this because Clemson, you know, didn't look great against Tennessee. I get that. Um, but if, if I were an SEC fan, I would just say that, oh, well, they didn't, they weren't really interested. You know, they were, it was a letdown because they didn't get the playoffs, so they weren't really trying. That's what I'm supposed to say, right? That, that That's what fans of other fan bases say when their teams lose in the Sugar Bowl or Cotton Bowl or something like that. Peach Bowl when it's not a playoff. Like Auburn in 2017 or Georgia in 2018 or Alabama like three or four times. That's what I'm supposed to say, right? Um, huh. I'm not going to say that, though. But I get that people don't like that Clemson would be a three seed. But what that does is it rewards and makes those conference championship games matter. And that's what we say we want when we when, when folks talk about not liking the playoffs. We say we want the con- the regular season and the conference championship games matter. Well, those bye ga- those bye weeks make it matter. Those top four seeds getting those buys by winning their conference championship does that. And also, a lot of college football fans don't like that Notre Dame gets it easy, gets off easy, quote unquote. Well, can they win a conference title? No. Which means, will they ever get a buy? No. Every time Notre Dame gets in the playoffs, they will have to win an extra game unless they join a conference. You will never get to see Notre Dame sit sit around and get healthy on conference championship Saturday and then go to the playoffs ever again. They'll, they'll do that, but they'll have to host, you know, let's say they were the five seed this year and they'd have to host... Tulane, or um, would it be? Would it have been Tulane? Yeah. Let's say they're the five seed this year, and they would have had to host Tulane, or um, they're the seven seed, and they have to host Southern Cal. You know, because a, a year like this year, even if they're number five in the country, they're the seven seed. Because like this year, let's let's just sub out Alabama for Notre Dame for a second. Let's say Notre Dame was sitting at five. Well, Georgia's the one seed, Michigan's the two seed, Clemson's the three seed, Utah's the four seed. Um, now we come back up and TCU's the five seed, Ohio State's the the sixth seed, um, and and Notre Dame they're the the seven seed, which means they host Southern Cal, and Notre Dame has to host Southern Cal just to it just for the right to face Michigan. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, we've, as college football fans of teams that are in conferences, we have complained as a collective about Notre Dame just getting it easy. They won't get it easy anymore. They can't be a top four seed. There's lots of reasons to love the way they've set up this 12-team playoff if you just pay attention and you stop complaining because it's different. So, 
that's all I've got to say about the playoffs. Again, congratulations to the University of Georgia. We are truly in the dog days of college football. Georgia's the number one program in the country, and I don't think there's much of a question about that right now. Maybe this time next year we're sitting here going, man, who would have seen fill in the blank the way we were with LSU a few years ago or um, you know, when Ohio, when Ohio State rattled off all those wins at the end of the season to win the title in 14. Maybe, maybe we see something like that. But for now, I, I, it's, it's all about the dogs. There's, there's no way around that. And fan, Georgia fans, I hope you enjoy it. That's all I got. I'm sure I'll have some more coming and where I'll talk about something other than, than championships and playoffs. But I really wanted to devote some time to that today. So hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you all have a great week, a great weekend, and stay safe. Have a good one. Thank you.